Elfinworks Productions presents Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Last time on Ribbons and Bows, the Roaring Twenties ground to a terrible halt. The stock market crash and the Great Depression. To take us away from the day-to-day, we willingly set ourselves under the sway of the magical bows of Ruth, Leona, Viola, Beverly, and Bird. There was something wonderfully transportive about letting go and just listening to their music. And now, on to the other great and terrible wartime of the 20th century, World War II, the century's darkest hour. And the shining young stars who brought light, hope, and joy through their musical arts. It was only 21 years after the Great War that World War II broke out, to the heartbreak of all who loved peace. The United States' involvement in the war began in 1939 and lasted until 1945, during which time, as with previous war efforts, women pitched in with all their strength. Women helped build most of the aircraft, cargo ships, and tanks for the war. The aviation industry had the biggest increase in women workers, and the munition industry recruited female workers with their Rosie the Riveter campaign. All the day long, where the rain or shine, she's a part of the assembly line. She's making history, working for victory. Rosie the Riveter keeps... There were also female mathematicians who served as top-secret Rosies, human computers for the Allies, and perhaps on the other side as well. When the first electronic computer was made to help the Army with its calculations, six of these secret Rosies were its first programmers. From all accounts, many more women violinists were performing at this time than ever before as well. They follow the early pioneering women violinists in the last generations, the ones who really broke the mold and made things so much easier for those who followed. Ruth Posselt was still touring, as were Breton, Flood, and Elliot. There were a few lesser-known artists as well, Madeline Carabo, Jean Mitchell, Dorothea Powers, Eudis Shapiro, Margaret Sittig, Patricia Travers. And now we add to the marquee six spectacular fresh new names, Mary Becker, Guila Bustavo, Miriam Salafiev, Fredel Lack, Francis Magnus, and Carol Glenn. We'll also get to know Miss Betty Hagen, who is just showing up on the violin scene. One of the new shining stars of this dark time of war is the remarkable Mary Becker, born in Syracuse, New York. It's unusual with such a late start to end up with a brilliant career, but she started at age 10. It's unusual to finish a four-year degree in a year, but she did at Syracuse University. She then received a six-year fellowship at Juilliard Graduate School, studying under the great violinists Albert Spaulding and Paul Kohansky. She always kept her audiences captivated with her fine tone and grace. As one critic noted, her technique is of such security that the listener quickly relaxes with the confidence that there will be no slips. Another from the World Telegram feels Miss Becker envisions music as living speech to be personally experienced. And the post-critic, Warren Story Smith, writes, she has virtuoso blood, bite, virility, and carrying power of her tone. The Daily Times opined her mastery enthralled those privileged to hear her. Don't you wish you could have been there 
Her tone, one and all agreed, was a thing of beauty. To the World Herald, she had a silken tone, sparkling brilliance of technique, and excellent musical taste. Critics raved and raved. Sure grasp of technique and lyric content, coupled with a warm, rich tone. Singing melodies, thoughtful lyricism. A glowing and sensitive performance. Oh, that we could have been there in Jordan Hall with those audiences, listening as she played the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, Chasson's poem, Rimsky-Korsakov's Flight of the Bumblebee, and Shimonovsky's Tarantella. Clearly, she had the prowess and bravado, virtuosity and romantic leanings to choose to dazzle her audience with such a menu. The Daily Oklahoma hailed her fine, warm tone and nimble technique. The press lauded her astonishing fingerwork and lyric grace, which they called eloquent, sweeping, and tender. And yes, she was also lovely. This did not go unnoticed with the critics. The Daily News writing, for example, Mary Becker charmed the ear as well as the eye. Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History, a presentation of Elfenworks Productions Beyond Film and Music, will return after this brief message. Hello, I'm Dr. Matthew Springer, a professor in the University of California, San Francisco, Division of Cardiology. Did you know that smoking and exposure to secondhand smoke don't just increase the risk of cancer and lung disease, they also have immediate harmful effects on your heart and blood vessels? Preventing other people from being exposed to your secondhand smoke decreases their immediate risks of heart attack and stroke. By the way, even if you think you've trashed your own health already and there's no point in quitting now, you're wrong. You'll still improve your own cardiovascular health if you stop. Quitting is hard, but by doing it, you can be a hero to yourself and to your friends and family. Find tips to stop smoking at smokefree.gov. Now we return to Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. When tragedy befalls, some people in life still find a way to transcend. And in some cases, the path through the pain is beautiful music. Such was the story of Miriam Salafiev. Miriam was born in San Francisco and began playing the violin at age seven and studied under Robert Pollock, who was the head of the violin department of the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. He moved to Japan and Miriam began studying with the great Kathleen Parlow. Salafiev was invited to play as a soloist at the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Since this performance was so successful, her parents decided she should go to New York to study under Louis Persinger, the esteemed violinist and teacher who had taught so many other world-class violinists. After these studies, family acquaintances from San Francisco raised $10,000 for her to go abroad, where she studied with Carl Flesch, another of the great teachers of the time. She studied with him until 1939, when she returned to America because of the war. While she was abroad, she played in London and got a review in the London Times. This was extremely exciting because many young artists played concerts in London, but few were able to obtain reviews in the London Times. Not only was she a musician, she was a female musician. It was even more remarkable for her to obtain a review in the Times, as men were usually the ones in the spotlight. On December 28, 1939, tragedy shook Miriam's life. Her parents had been separated for five years, and her father came to the house and began arguing with her mother. Miriam's father tried to shoot her, but she dodged the bullet. Then he shot and murdered her mother and sister in front of her and took his own life, leaving Miriam the only surviving member of the family. 
This tragedy haunted Miriam forever. Perhaps it brought a certain knowing soulfulness to her playing. Perhaps it drove her to practice until perfection, an outlet and a means of escape from her pain. We do know the result. Audiences and critics loved her. The Sun, for example, called her the standard by which young violinists may be judged. And Noel Strauss of the New York Times, writing in February of the very next year, 1940, named her one of the most gifted of young American violinists, writing, The rich promise of the playing put forth by Miriam Salafiev when she made her debut here three years ago at the age of 15 reached a realization at her recital last night in Town Hall that established her as one of the most copiously gifted and proficient of younger American violinists. Backed by an unusually glowing temperament, Miss Salafiev's performance possessed a vitality and sweep that, combined with the technical address and inborn musicianship informing them, made an immediate conquest of the large audience present. In San Francisco, audiences gave her an ovation that year, while other critics were equally rhapsodic. Let's take a listen. Breadth and beauty of tone, vibrancy of rhythm, and excellence of musicianship. Sweep, fire, and expansiveness. Extraordinary technical and musical achievement. During World War II, Miriam served for the U.S. Army and met and married William Rubin, then an infantry lieutenant. In 1945, she did a USO tour of American military bases in Europe, and her rich tone and energy raised the morale of the troops. Salafiev, translated from Russian to English, means nightingale. This is a very fitting name. She's said to have played with a sweet, singing tone that resembled a nightingale. This episode features excerpts from works in the public domain and copyrighted recordings of Maud Powell and Ruth Possel that were used with permission from the copyright holders. For details including full legal notice, visit elfinworksproductions.com. This concludes part one of a special extended presentation of Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Tune in next time for part two. Learn about all our products, including this one, available as an audiobook release, and find more information and detailed histories online now at www.elfenworksproductions.com. We thank you for your patronage and partnership as we strive to tell the stories that matter. Copyright 2018, Elfenworks Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.